Amber. Hi, Megan. Hi, Adrian. Hi, Megan. Hi, Amber. (laughs) Hi, Michael. Hey, guys. We have a brand new uh, guest host. Um, We have Adrian. Um, Michael is Adrian's husband, and uh, Adrian has joined us to be our expert uh, today. Yes. That was accurate. Michael is Adrian's husband. Yeah. You heard oh. me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I didn't protest. I know where I stand. Um, <laughs> we brought Dr. Block on um, to be our uh, expert because she is a professional Stargate knower of things. And uh, <laughs> and I got you guys to uh, watch Stargate. So Yeah, you did. So here we are. Uh, this was my first watching, obviously, because I never watch anything beforehand because my uh, childhood was uh, wanting. But uh, mm. yeah, but you all have seen this before and love it. Many this times. This was my, I don't know if watching. It was, I I owned about five VHSs from like the age of, you know, six to 10. And it was The Last Unicorn, The Labyrinth, and Stargate were, were pretty much the top three. Uh, so I can watch this bitch in my head, and <laughs> I still love it. <laughs> that is amazing. I think this is in the category of movies that I watched with my mom and then immediately started over and watched again. That's awesome. We yeah, that's from- an Adrianism to watch a movie, like we rent a movie, and then she'll like put it back in the DVD or like you know, hit rewind and start it all over again. And uh, yeah, this is one of those, huh? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, that def- that makes sense for sure. Yeah, I I I'm excited to watch it again at some point, um, especially because um, when we watch movies all together, it's it's wonderful. Um, we tend to either uh, talk or, in this case, type through a lot of the movie because we, you know, we can't help it. Plus, we need to give Michael some uh, some fodder for his. Uh, Michael wraps the plot. Yeah, for the, for our new segment, ongoing segment. Actually, I'm going to amend the segment. So part. So just to explain to your listeners again, if they didn't hear the other one, um, Michael wraps the plot is where I wrap the plot. But I base it off of our chat or text stream uh, and try to call little snippets from it. And uh, the other important part is I have to write it like 30 minutes before we do the podcast. <laughs> so it has to be fresh and janky as hell. Sure. Um, but this is actually not going to be Michael Raps the plot. This is going to be the Blocks Rap the plot. Yes, please. So Adrian doesn't know about this. Um, but what I'm going to ask her to do. So you guys ever see Hustle and Flow? Yes. Okay. So you know how oh. he, like it's hard out here for a pimp, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So Adrian, I need you to be like the chorus. Okay. Like in your sultry Adrian voice. Mm. Mm. Okay, well, I'm getting the face. <laughs> See, you're going to be playing the prostitute. In this, in this scenario, mm. you're going to be playing the prostitute. Mm-hmm. Okay, she's going to kill me. I believe, okay. it, I believe it's sex worker, folks. <laughs> then I'll jump in with the fat raps. Okay. I'm so excited for this. I can't wait. <laughs> so this is the part you're going to read here. You're just going to say it twice. I love how you're springing this on her, like... Mid podcast, you can do it. I I feel like there has to be a rhythmic context for this. Well, that's where yeah we need uh, Amber and Megan to beatbox. I was very very upfront about the likelihood of that happening (laughs) on my end anyway. (laughs) There's one of your pauses. You've 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 sabotaged us all. Yes. No one, no one, can, no one can see the height of my eyebrows in a podcast. (laughs) I know this is it's unfortunate. Mm You, you do this part twice, and then I'll, I'll do the rest. One half Star Wars, the other half Trex, with James Spader confidence, but never having sex. One half Star Wars, the other half Trex, with James Spader confidence, but never having sex. Opening scene. Where have I seen the scene, Mr. Spader? It's like the mummy in Fifth Element had a threesome with raiders. Flash forward to the present where Spader gives a speech. People walk out because his theories are a reach. But the girl from 28 loves his nerdy iconoclast. He declines her job until she says he's thrown out on his ass. Then he walks into the base like a pimpin' prince. Translates the glyph flicks in like two minutes. Making punks <laughs> look foolish all over the place. Ripping away their newspapers and rolling charts across their face. Proto-Spader. 
PowerPoint, <laughs> figures out the symbols. Kurt Russell, Muscle Man, gets the team assembled. Send in that probe. There's so much we don't know. We could make a better plan, but fuck it, we gotta go. Spader draws on computers with the permanent marker, then warps through time and space where it gets a bit darker. Kurt Russell says, hustle, gotta get back through the gate. But Spader's gotta... Fuck. Spader's <laughs> a potato and he says, boy, wait. <laughs> We need a seven symbol, but there ain't one around. But don't you worry, boy. We got a, enough chocolate to feed it. <laughs> <laughs> this gets real clumsy. <laughs> before we recorded. We need a seven symbol, but there ain't one around. But don't you worry, boy. I've got enough chocolate to feed a goddamn town. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. It made sense in my head. Okay. They find they find a thousand slaves and they're chiseling quartz. Three thousand years of slavery, no one invented shorts. Harold is Harold is gods. They all head back into town. They offer their only white girl so that Spader can get down. But Spader's more chaste than a eunuch's foot. He still learns her tongue, so to speak, and I guess that's good. He learns about Raw, the real Raw, that bastard. He's a parasitic alien that sticks to you like plaster. Meanwhile, Russell teaches kids to smoke, but playing with an auto rifle, that's, that's no, no joke. joke. Back to the gate, but wait, here's Ra kicked all their asses like he's Tony Jaw. Anubis has a spear that shoots Ooh. a bunch of lasers, and Ra's got a sarcophagus that's a real dead razor. And all the advanced mining tools like quality spades, we scrapped for sophisticated elevator upgrades. <laughs> <laughs> Ra reveals that he didn't expect humans on Earth to get that nuclear tech. Russell brought the bomb, nuclear, not fission. In case they ran into aliens, he'd do the suicide mission. Now Roz got his radioactive clock, send it to Earth's door with a megaton knock. The boys from the town, though, start a revolution, knocking down the pyramid gates, violence is solution. Ross says, peace, I'm out of this place, fires up the ship, heads to outer space. How do you defeat a powerful space god who's got a tough army and an androgynous bod? I'll spare you the terrible <laughs> suspense. You need a dumb waiter and unearned confidence. Spader stays back. Wait till they roll in the credits already? I guess we need a TV series to explain this plot spaghetti. <laughs> that was... So special. <laughs> that was amazing. I was, I was like, I can, I can almost say this on the fly, and then there were seventeen extra words. <laughs> well, you uh -huh. had to read yep. that yep. one line. Yep. Michael, that it has was a lot amazing. of chocolate bars. They feed a whole goddamn motherfucking town. Oh, okay. We're just, just. just. Well, we good luck. Crazy. Good luck editing that, Amber. The whole, the whole child army of the town. Yes. Fed by chocolate. I did uh, the the androgynous bod. Fuck yes, that was fantastic. Ah, oh, so many gems, so many gems. Yeah, no, please, don't, don't give me a bigger challenge. I can edit the shit out of that. That's gonna be easy. <laughs> it's hard to rap in front of your wife. It turns out, I've never done it before. Our marriage has entered a new phase. Uh, can we go back? <laughs> <laughs> undo, undo. Go back. <laughs> Michael, that was amazing. Oh, I love you. Michael Raps the Plot. It's uh, it's delightful. The blocks wrap the plot. I got an assist. The, yes. The blocks wrap the yep. plot, yeah. I, I just, I'm, yeah. I'm assuming we missed, but you, I, I assume you did one for The Rock and for The Taking of Pelham 123, and you just didn't send it to us. Um, we didn't get it in time. So <laughs> moving <laughs> forward, I would like better communication from oh, you man. on our Michael Raps the Plots. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like a two-minute notice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's all he needs to put it together. It's so true. Yeah, I mean, I you know that explained all of it, and I loved mm -hmm. it. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, let's head over to the critics' corner. Amber, what I'm did uh, Metacritic say about this movie? Well, I definitely didn't look this up ten minutes ago, mm -hmm, so I know mm -hmm. right off the top of my head that the score for the critics was forty-two and the users was seventy-six. The fuck you say? Yeah, it was 53 for the critics and 73 for the audience for Rotten Tomatoes. Not cool. Not cool. Not, the not Taking great. of Pelham 123 had better reviews. <laughs> you hit I that just... H so hard. <laughs> it's not Pel right. It's not fair and it's not right. Pel Pelham. Um, I wanted to share a quote from Variety that came out at the time. 
It says, one walks away uncertain whether there is a film called Stargate or if it was merely a dream composed of badly remembered movie cliches. The fuck? Wrong. Excuse me? I, yeah. Yeah. They're, 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 they're talking about how it lacks imagination in the Miami Herald. A costume budget gone mad. Are you kidding me? The aesthetic of this was fantastic. It was half the selling point for me. Mm-hmm. The, the aesthetic was Oof. amazing. And... I feel like we're getting into like Willow territory again, where it's like they were expecting more or something, or and they said it was like derivative, and like we said before, like if it's derivative and not fun, then that's bad. This is a little bit derivative, but it's got its own. It's got its own thing. Professor Block, would you care to expound upon that? I think if you're gonna say the movie has too many cliches, you have to accept it as a fruit salad of cliches. You have mediocre apples and mediocre melon and mediocre grapes, but then you put them all together and you sprinkle them with lime juice, named James Spader, and it gets better. <laughs> and it's delicious. <laughs> it's so true. You add the lime, a squeeze of lime of James Spader to mm-hmm. just about mm-hmm. anything. I'd say a little lemon of it. Kurt Russell, too. Kurt, I mean, James Spader, obviously, but Kurt Russell actually was really good in this, kind of channeling his um, uh, Wyatt Earp. Ishness, I think. Mm. Not sure, nearly on sure. that level, but you know, that that same place that he can do. Yeah. And that spicy cayenne of French Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> Which, this, this was his first um movie role. Did you know that? French Stewart. Isn't that wild? Yeah. That does not surprise me. We have to abandon base camp. <laughs> fair, okay, fair. French Stewart as a bully should alone mm-hmm. make this not derivative of anything at all. Yeah. Yep. You have French to be from Stewart outer as space. a hardened soldier, like flashing those guns in the desert, just just throwing throwing the books of the dweeb into the sand. <laughs> <laughs> throwing the books which are the only thing that might get you out of this alien planet <laughs> across yeah. the sand <laughs> yeah so I, I don't know what to say other than the critics are just wrong 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 yeah I, th- I so can't disagree more yeah yeah um, exactly with the critics not with you yeah, yeah I would like to disagree more with you in my heart <laughs> but I can't yeah. And and here's the thing, if you call this derivative, like in the beginning of the movie, sure, like we all had a different thing. We said it reminded of reminded us of like the mummy or um Indiana Jones um and some other things, but like some of that came after Stargate. And yeah. so like so all of it's derivative of something. Like mm-hmm. it, that aesthetic that like you know, desert kind of pyramid Egyptian-esque aesthetic, even if it's on an alien planet, it, it it's it it's an aesthetic. Like it, I don't know. Well, it's 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 a common trope. Like you you ancient world to alien culture. It's it's that whole who built the pyramids? What's the deal with Easter Island, Stonehenge? Er, mm-hmm. it's it. Of course, that's used to fuel sci-fi and fantasy imagination. So it, we're always taking lessons from other shit. That's just how it works. You read something super original and the author is going to be the first person to tell you, oh yeah, I was inspired by all this other stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. If, if this movie's derivative, it's derivative of something that predates me to a point that I don't know what it is. Exactly. Um, other, other than sort of that mystery around, you know, ancient structures that you mentioned. It's like, I don't remember anything before this. I remember comparing lots of things to this after I right. saw it 17 times. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's the, the, the Austin Chronicle, Robert Fares. Roland Emmerich hasn't bettered us as a culture with Stargate, but he hasn't corrupted us either. Direct contradiction to like, this was one of my first introductions to, to sci-fi. And I still think of it as like one of my favorite genre movies. Like it's possibly because it was the first, but... I still really love it. I love the aesthetic. I like the plot. I love James Spader. It's it does have faults, but it I honestly feel like it is a solid, especially intro genre movie. Yeah, fuckers. Yeah, yeah. actually, that's an interesting <laughs> way of viewing it as an intro genre movie. I, I think that's a really great classification for it because it's it's not particularly mind blowing, but it it does some fun things that are Star Trekian and Star Warsian, but it's its own thing. But like. I kind of see the movie as a tale of two halves, right? Like the first half, they're encountering a new alien culture and discovering new technology. And in the second half, they're just shooting lasers and killing bad guys, you know? And <laughs> yep. you yeah. get, so you get a little bit of both worlds. I wouldn't say the best of both worlds, maybe, but 
but it's a nice little marriage between two very different kinds of sci-fi um, archetypes, if you will. Agreed. And it's in its there's there's genuine menace when it gets to the action like that that first scene during the sandstorm in the pyramid like that scared me as a kid i was like oh shit mm. i thought this was going to be like scientific and discovery and it's fun and then suddenly people are dying mm -hmm. yeah mm. yeah i liked that and it in like the nerd got the girl and figured out the mystery and the soldiers were sort of the also rans and that was also kind mm. of nice not that i'm saying i was a book reading nerd. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was a book reading bully. There's a difference. Uh huh. Uh huh. I was sort of the French Stewart meets James Spader of my <laughs> What is that even? Oh my god! No wonder. <laughs> Finally, someone lot. someone else is dorky enough that your own dork alarm goes off. And you're like, must bully. <laughs> but is Amber bullying herself? Is she just punching herself and throwing her own books across the room? I'm confused. In a way, it was psychological torture for my peers to just see somebody sitting on the playground going, stop hitting yourself, stop hitting yourself, who was in fact hitting themselves. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's, that's disturbing. That's some Wednesday Adams shit. Yeah, and then nobody messes with you after that, so. You can't be no, crazy. Mm -hmm. Introduction uh, to the genre. Introduction to James Spader. Oh, like, yes, mm -hmm. invaluable. In rewatching it, I found myself calling him Baby James. <laughs> yes, Sweet Baby James. Uh -huh, I can, yeah. He's, he's been around for so long and done so many things and, and really come into his own in his like late 50s. But mm -hmm. I know for me, like, after seeing this movie, when I saw him in anything else, it's like, oh, it's the Stargate guy. Mm -hmm. You know, for years and years and years. And like, okay, maybe now he's the Ultron guy or the Blacklist guy. Mm. But for a very long time, he was just the Stargate guy. Even yeah. even when he first appeared in the office, I was like, oh, the Stargate guy. The Stargate <laughs> guy. hundred <laughs> percent. Yes. Right there with you. Yeah. And he, he, you're totally right. He's got like a adorable baby face in this. It's It's very good. Okay. So critics... You can go fuck yourselves yeah, on this one. I am Walk off I am appalled. Here. I am aghast. I hope mm -hmm. none of you are currently employed in this profession anymore because you did your best to try and crush a beautiful film that we had so much trouble watching. Oh my goodness. It was a uh, yeah, it it's not available anywhere essentially. Yeah, so there's got to be some kind of conspiracy or something. Mm -hmm. Like why is it so hard to find a copy of Stargate? If I hadn't bought it years ago digitally, you can't rent it, you can't stream it, you can't buy it. It does. It, I don't know how I even made my copy work. Yeah, and and it was available over the summer. There were articles about like watch it now before it leaves, and it left in like September from both I think Netflix and Hulu and like free on YouTube. And then apparently people decided you can't watch Stargate anymore. This podcast may be the only remnant of Stargate moving forward. Yeah. We have an important responsibility to preserve it, I think. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We, we, we're going to start petitions, um, mail-in campaigns, can just mm -hmm. mail a bunch of Kleenex to James Spader. He won't know what it means, but, but we will. <laughs> we will. We've got your, your stranglehold on the zeitgeist right now, so maybe we can bring it back. Maybe Spader will reprise his role. You never know. You never know. Grandpa Baby James. <laughs> Grandpa Baby James. <laughs> I would watch he's jaded Definitely. with interstellar travel he's had so much sex he's bored with it at this point <laughs> mm -hmm. he mm -hmm. has got children in many different worlds and everything still tastes like chicken and everything still <laughs> tastes like chicken that was a good that scene. can't be the first time that line was ever uttered probably no. that tastes like chicken joke no but they used it and it was good mm -hmm. they went for it it's, it's that's like a 90s classic Mm -hmm. Or maybe, I don't know. Like a not joke. All, all of we've learned about the critics for this movie is that they're all so old that they've lost the joy of their lives. Like, they've been on an expedition that's forced them to cut off some toes. That's, that's what I'm picturing <laughs> in these critics. Yeah. Yep, I, I agree. No joy and They, they haven't hearts. held on to the memories. They're just holding on to the bitterness about their toes. Yeah, come on. Gotta you, you gotta lose a few toes to, you know by in this world i hope that's not your raw quote at the end okay <laughs> <laughs>
Critics Corner, usual thing. Go, no, I hate yeah. you. Let's move on. <laughs> You're move irrelevant. On to our favorite parts of the movie, which according to our chat was the whole movie. <laughs> yes. We, we had something yes. to say about every little thing, which is mm-hmm. um, more exhaustive than what we'll do here. But uh, where do you guys want to begin? Androgynous bod. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's start with Ra. There we go. <laughs> let's start with Ra because... <laughs> mm-hmm. It was honestly one of my first introductions to androgyny, and I was so into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, similar. I remember like watching the movie and being like, is that a boy? Is that a girl? Is that a boy? Is that a girl? Do I care anymore? No. No. Yeah, the, um, the actor who plays Ra is Jay Davidson, who is also famous for being on um, what's The Crying Game um, and plays a role as a transgender woman named dill Hmm. and essentially jay davidson did the crying game and then really disliked all the attention he got for it and uh they asked him to do uh stargate and he essentially asked for what he thought was a ridiculous amount of money which is one million dollars and they were like okay and so he did it (laughs) and those are his two films oh wow Wow. that's that's (laughs) i mean hey he got his million and he got the fuck out. He might be the smartest person in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. that's that's a ninety-three million. That's nineteen ninety-three, nineteen ninety-four. He is so good as Raw. Like mm-hmm. Raw is not in the movie very much at all. Like like many villains are, but mm-hmm. he is terrifying. He is, um, he's got this posture and this commanding presence, and he's not tall. <laughs> I think I made a comment at some point. Like he looks a little bit like Lord Helmet when he has the Raw. Right. hat on because yep. he's surrounded by children and he's not much taller than they are um but his presence is still terrifying and menacing and it's so good it's so so good yeah, yeah. like you he could write a resume that's like what what are your gifts accelerating my breath intensely like watching raw breathe was terrifying mm-hmm. those flaring nostrils yeah, yeah. it is it is impressive that removing the giant, scary, metal, dehumanizing head made him more terrifying and have more presence. Like, revealing the oh, fact man. that it's just a person was somehow more impressive just by the way he physically embodied that role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it, that, that's such a good point, because when the other guards remove their helmets, they're like, oh, less scary, because they're, oh, it's just a man, you know? That's right. But when you take yeah. off Raw's helmet, shit, he gets scarier. You're totally right. <laughs> Yep, and like yeah. they, they gave him an otherness, like he was the only actual alien, and but the 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 extent of it was the voice and the eyes, and yes. the eyes were really subtle glows, like to punctuate sentences. That, like, just the physical delivery of the line is what sold me on. Like, this is an other thing that doesn't care about me. I am an insect, and he gets off on murdering me. Like, mm-hmm. I I am scared, but I'm a little turned on simultaneously, <laughs> and I don't know what to do with these feelings. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's all very fair. Has nothing to do with that preteen hormonal wash. It was purely the performance. Hmm. Purely the performance, because uh, I have no hormones, as far as I know. Yeah. In in contrast, Kurt Russell, who's supposed to be like this very intense military man, and, and, and is like, you know, he's got the buzz cut, like right when he's about to walk through the portal for the first time, he does this thing where he like steals his lips, he like stiffens his lips and his teeth. And like, I actually found that funny. Like it didn't hold up uh-huh. for me at all. Like, that's your poop yeah. face, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but Ra, still scared. Still yeah. confused. Yep. It's so good. He's so full of menace. But like elegance. Ooh. Guess I'm into alien overlords who enslave entire populations and casually commit genocide. Everybody's got their thing, you know? Yep. Yeah, yeah. No Add it to your profile. <laughs> That's why I'm still single. <laughs> it's just a really specific thing. Mm-hmm. It's very, very specific. Apparently, um, the eyes, the glowing eyes, were something they added in post, um, like after they had a first few viewings of the movie, um, to give him an even more alien quality. Plus, apparently, they hadn't translated the um, him speaking until... And then people couldn't follow the plot, and then they subtitled um, 
when he spoke and that kind of filled in the um yeah the kind of holes in the plot because mm-hmm. people hated well, it at first and then they so, added those two elements and people loved it so i'm sorry they mm-hmm. just the had him like vamping the fuck out of the set but nobody had any idea what he was saying except for james that is Spader's kind of character. what i that's that's, that's what i understand from imdb the, yes <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like listening to, to Star Wars without the soundtrack. Like, it, it makes no sense without the, the musical beats behind it, you know? Um, he, he does all the exposition. And they do ex- villain exposition really well with his character. Because um, in, a, in a very econ- economic amount of lines, he says his plan to send a nuclear bomb to Earth. And it, it all makes sense within the world. And it, it's just done quickly and, and again, menacingly. Um, without that context, the movie makes no sense. Absolutely, <laughs> so right. It would just be so bizarre. Yeah. Yep. Like it's just you'd it, be gesturing to a bomb and then saying a bunch of stuff, and then James Spader would say a bunch of stuff back to him and look a little concerned, and then he'd gesture to something else. And you, I don't understand what movie that would be. No <laughs> context. No, it was getting like thirty percent ratings um, in their first few viewings, and they made those two changes. And then it was a surprise hit of 1994. Hmm. Except with the critics. Proof, once again, people hate foreigners. Ah! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Make it American. It's nice to have your scathing bitterness not directed at me. <laughs> I, like to, I like to spread it out for the holidays. <laughs> oh, so generous. It's nice to have someone else bring scathing bitterness to the podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so nice to not be alone with my cynicism (laughs) i I wanted to obviously talk about kurt russell and spader's characters a little bit because um they have the archetypes of like spader is this geeky nerd fish out of water and they have the archetype of uh kurt russell playing the soldier right but they but they do enough to turn the screw a little bit spader is a geeky nerd but he's also like weirdly confident like, mm-hmm. usually the nerd is so hesitant to do everything, but he's just, like, forging ahead, like, following his curiosity. He he believes in his translation. He's He, he believes in his his own mind so well. Like, oh, I'll just go through the Stargate and figure out the thing, and we'll come back. Like, he's just so damn sure of himself, which is awesome. And then with Kurt Russell, you have his um, dark side, which is uh, which is tragic. Uh, a little bit, a little hint of bittersweet flavor in the in the movie where his son has died, and that's his motivation to be like the suicide mission if they run into trouble. I just thought that was a good little twist on the on the soldier archetype also. So I don't know if you guys want to elaborate on that, but I thought I thought they did enough to make all of the main pieces of the of the characters in the story really compelling. Yes, yeah. as long as you weren't the female sex object, <laughs> you had a fairly meaty role in terms of like your backstory, like a super overconfident, unearned confidence, recklessly confident. <laughs> so, so much. I can't, I can't overemphasize how much he should not have been so sure no. <laughs> of what he was doing. <laughs> no, in like the James Spader scholar academic, and then yeah, Kurt Russell is like broken soldier literally nothing to live for was tapped for this mission to be a suicide bomber right like that's yeah. that is that is actually interesting he wasn't the one who was overconfident he was the one who was just like sad and broken in the corner being like my job in this mission is to keep earth safe and die in the process right yeah 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 and i think um you know we we've remarked on this but essentially like they asked Bader after like um they they send a probe through the gate and they get a picture and an oxygen count. And they ask Spader if he thinks that he could figure out the gate on the alien world to get them back. to If they went on the alien world, could Spader figure out the gate to get them back home? And he's like, yep, I got it. No yeah. further questions. <laughs> no follow-up uh, questions. Okay, obviously. let's do this shit. Obviously, I got this one. The gate's standing up. It's never actually open to Earth, but that's because they don't have me. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So good. And this, this, he's been working on doing a translation of symbols for two weeks. They'd been working on it for two years, so it makes sense that they're just ready to go, go, go with the mission, kind of. But he does not learn of the existence of the Stargate until immediately before they open the Stargate. 
And so this is technology that he has just come into contact with. He gets a split socket second shot of it. And he's like, yeah, no, 100%. I can do this. Uh-huh. Yep. And then Kurt Russell's like, are you sure? And he says, yes. And that is the extent of his follow-up questions. Yep. Everybody's in the wrong on this one. To be fair, he's competing against a group of scientists that knew six symbols had a finite loop circle, right, of what could potentially be the seventh symbol and hadn't just figured out that they could try them all. (laughs) Adrian, I thought the exact same thing. I was like, you've had two years. Like, even if you didn't figure out the first six until like a month ago, there's a finite number of symbols you can make the seventh. Like, what's wrong with you? Why haven't you just plugged them in? Chevron Chevron 6 is locked in place. This is as far as we've ever gotten. <laughs> at, th- at this we turn point, it slightly to the left. At this point, we all stopped for a tuna sandwich. <laughs> like, it makes no sense. Yeah. No sense You do at have all. to buy into the alternate reality that the process of elimination doesn't exist in the story world. Yeah. It's, um, it's like being confident about a multiplication test when everyone else is five years old like that is the, that is the situation he's dropped into he's like yeah yeah course, i got it of course i can do this i got these five-year-olds beat the soldiers are interesting too i mean you got french stewart who plays like it turns into uh, we said something about like it being like a after school special or bullying psa for like about five to ten minutes of the movie because they they're really mad at spader for getting them to the through the gate to another world, and he actually doesn't know how to get them back, and so that's where like the whole plot kind of hinges, and they need to like find some kind of symbol again on a finite number of possible <laughs> symbols to send them back. Yeah. And uh, and there's this guy Kowalski who they need a they need a script editor because they say the word Kowalski like seven hundred <laughs> times. Uh, which I always I thought was hilarious. I know none of the other soldiers' names, but I know Kowalski. You know Kowalski. I don't even remember Spader's character's name. I remember Kowalski. Nope. <laughs> uh, so. Kowalski, Ferretti. Yeah. I actually don't know Kurt Russell's character's name. O'Neill, I think. O'Neill. Yep, yep. Colonel, Colonel O'Neill. O'Neill. Yeah. And, uh, and Daniel is, is Dan, Dan Spader. I don't remember. I, see, I thought it was David. Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen yeah. the movie. Daniel Jackson. I'm going to rename him Colonel Deep Sad. Oh. He is indeed <laughs> Colonel yeah. Deepsad. He's yeah. he is often off alone, staring off into the distance, contemplating his own death. When when we first meet him, he is sitting in his dead son's room, holding a gun like he's ready to kiss it. Like it is. Yeah, they are not dark. subtle about the fact that he is done with living. Mm-hmm. Done quickly and efficiently, and like you get it. You know what I mean? Like they don't have. They didn't. They weren't ham fisted about it, which I I appreciated. I thought for a second you were talking about your perceptions of his plans to end his own life. Done. I meant, I meant introducing the character. Good lord. If you hadn't gotten there at that exact moment, he wouldn't have been available. He had a good plan. No, that's not what I'm talking about. God. Oh my God, that's oh. amazing. Okay. That's a little... <laughs> a little for a limited time, Colonel Deepsad is available for your suicide mission. <laughs> Get him while he's living. Okay. Oh my goodness! It's a cool trick, but he can only do it once. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> oh man. <laughs> have to come out of the podcast um yeah. it will not <laughs> wait so okay so they get over to this alien world and at that point everybody's super mad at the one guy that can get them back home because he made uh james spader made a lot of assumptions about what was going to be on the other side like instructions um and and the, the rest the soldiers bully him so hard they throw like the books that spader might need to get them home they like leave spader alone to get like dragged by a yak creature like nobody's keeping track of their ticket home it's you know it's it's a, it's a little weird yeah i think seeing it through the lens of adult eyes i'm like how did they not notice he drifted off like this is the person that separates you from your own home world and reality yeah. we're watching right. that guy like a hawk yeah 
I, I would have tethered him to something. I would have mm-hmm. tethered him to a buddy and enacted mm-hmm. the buddy system because <laughs> yeah. it is an alien planet and he seems super scatterbrained. Yes. I would have learned to pee standing up so I could stand next to him even while he peed. <laughs> That's beautiful. Fortunately, he does get um, hauled off by this uh, yak creature and discovers a huge camp of like a thousand, you know, slaves slaving away at the mines and um so there's like some meeting the locals and some language barriers and a little bit of the cliche i suppose of the like oh the foreigners here and they're like you think they must be gods and he has a chocolate bar and he's so special and uh um, bon they, must be, way. they must be sent from way. So obviously we have to bring him back. To I am our not home past and... the chocolate bar. Don't you rush me past the chocolate <laughs> bar? Yes, you're right. Okay, you're right, Amber. <laughs> Fifth Avenue. Let's take a walk. I'm not run to one to rush past the chocolate bar myself. I understand. I, I, the the only thing I want to say is that in in the chat, TJ decided to translate the bunny way as every other piece of food I put in my mouth will now forever taste like shit. Because he's never had candy before. Like, he's just eaten slave food. And so, like, I don't think it's a good thing. It is literally like, you've just blown my mind and my life is now garbage. Yeah. But new way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, you can move on now. I'm good. Uh, Okay. I was just going to say, so then they they come home. They learn a couple of things about the local culture, which is they are forbidden to write and, and to have language and history. Uh, which then Amber pointed out, oral history still works, motherfuckers. So like, <laughs> but like they've lost their past apparently. Um, and we learned that they treat the angels of Ra with sex slaves. Yeah, no, you 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 cool gift your daughter to to angels of Ra. I, I mean, honestly, if I were a slave and I had a daughter, and some god creature came and was like, chill. Yeah, I'd like marry into the God family. I, she'd probably have a better life with that guy, maybe. I don't know. They might eat their wives. But we're still slaves, so what do we know? <laughs> they definitely eat their wives. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they give this actress, uh, this this character, um, some agency as the film develops, which is a little bit nice. She, she never, um, she kind of helps uh, Daniel discover uh, the history of the place and, and the... Uh, the the last symbol that they need to get home. She's a she's a big part of that. She also plays a role in rallying the troops, right? Mm-hmm. So she she's does. the one who says to the young people, "Gather around. Let me tell you about our real past and why we can't live like this anymore." Mm. And so she is a catalyst for change. She is, yes, absolutely. And so long as we're talking about her so much, her name is um her the actress is Millie Avital, um and apparently she's an Israeli actress her background but you're yeah you're totally right she's definitely like a catalyst for change um there there is that like these what almost all white soldiers come and like lead an upright there's this like white savior bit to the movie Mm -hmm. for sure Mm -hmm. that that um there's some kind of yuck factor behind that um i'm pretty sure that the soldier named brown is the black soldier i was watching that very closely and I'm like, which one is named Brown? I, I do believe you are correct. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. Derek Webster is Lieutenant Brown. That's correct. Yep. The one, the one black soldier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I caught that. I see you. I see you. <laughs> yeah. She, she does serve as the catalyst. She is the one who leads him to like the, she's, she seems to be the only person who's aware that writing does exist somewhere and it's in a hidden place and it tells their history. She can't read it potentially. He reads it to her. Right. Yeah, I think that's true. And it's also through her that he learns their language and their dialect. Like yes. they, they start to speak a little bit and he he kind of un, unravels it and then is able to communicate with, with the um with the slave population from, from them there on out. He is a talented linguist. <laughs> he is yeah, he's good with his tongue. Um, and... uh, he needs that to talk to Ra later also. So this is an important plot point. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have trouble imagining the movie without him being able to talk to Ra and understand who this being is mm-hmm. and the motivations. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's he's kind of the bridge for us understanding what's going mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. So I actually love that moment, like when they're in the catacombs, because they do a flashback to the before times when the Stargate was abandoned on Earth. And so there's a story of 
Ra is this alien creature who has to like get a host and uh, his world was dying. So he came to ours and, you know, enslaved people, built the pyramids. The pyramids are really landing docks for a huge spaceship. I think that's all fun and good. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a, that's the turning point in the movie where it's go, it goes from the Star Trek to the Star Wars, right? It's like, we've encountered this new culture. We've learned about their history. Oh, shit, there's there's evil here, you know? And um, I think the, the very next scene is the, the soldiers getting jumped back at the pyramid mm-hmm. base camp and getting their asses kicked. Yep. Pew, I love pew, 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 I, I do love the flashback scene. Like as James yes. James Spader is narrating this history and you see like, I, you know, they show the tribe of people, they show the, the ship approaching. And then I like that. That's, it's evocative. And he actually gives good narration. I feel like, you know, I, I can, I can see the future of a 50 year old James Spader. Yes. The mm. fucking <laughs> the voice. sensual weirdo that he is. <laughs> it's so true. That's exactly right, Ember. But I have to say, she is remarkably trusting. Like, okay, she thinks he's an agent of an oppressive god that has enslaved her people and demanded they never write. She's just met him, but he seems like kind of a nice guy. So she goes and shows him some writing. Mm-hmm. Like, this could be a super elaborate literacy sting enacted yeah. on them by their god oppressor. <laughs> she really went out on a fucking limb there. Yeah. It's also really wild, though, because all the gods that they've seen... Uh, have those big helmets on, like the Anubis helmets and the... Um, is that Osiris is the one that looks like a bird? I, my Egyptology is not so great. Horus! Horus, thank you. Um, so they see these people without them and they assume that they're... Uh, there's a little bit of a... Yeah, I think it's meant to speak to the power of Ra as a symbol mm-hmm. in their culture that you would just have automatic deference to anyone carrying something beautiful... Mm that clearly isn't something that one of the slaves would own, has Ra's symbol on it, immediate deference, immediately, everything I can give you, I will give you. Yeah, and that, that tracks, that tracks. I buy that. All I have to give you is my human decency as a father, and here it is. Oh, and also my yep. daughter. Here here she is. Mm-hmm. The one place where Spader's unearned confidence doesn't get him laid, actually. he uh, <laughs> he's, he's a bit shy and uh, refers to learn languages instead hey baby let's i think he's write. also like <laughs> respectful you know like he he waits until it he realizes that there's some consent in there like it's it's when right, when he, he realizes that she's actually hurt that he rejected her he's like oh i totally would have hit it baby but it kind of seemed like rape at the time <laughs> i wasn't sure <laughs> oh. i i respected that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh so then the movie kind of escalates into the whole Kurt Russell brought a nuclear bomb to blow up. I guess they needed a nuclear bomb to blow up the Stargate, which is interesting. But um, then uh, Ra takes that and decides to send it back through the Stargate to blow up Earth. So they have to stop that. And uh, this is where uh, things get really action movie-y, and I think in a fun way, where they they, want to make Spader execute his team and... You know, that's when the uh, the the slaves like shine a little mirror on them to say, "Hey, we're here. We found your guns, and we're going to do a revolution." It's a lot of communication through mirror light, uh, which is pretty cool. And so then they fight off the guards and recover the nuclear device, and then defeat the bad guy with an elevator, which I think is really cool because <laughs> it's Stargate. The elevators mm-hmm. like these little rings, like little stargates that kind of come yeah. down, like little mini stargates, like yes. a stargate. I believe in the great rap of this tale, it is mm-hmm. referred to as a dumbwaiter. It's a dumbwaiter, yeah. Yep. It's basically yep. a dumbwaiter. Um, the, the epic poem. <laughs> yes, the classic. It was, mm-hmm. a, bit, it was a bit long. But um, that's how Kurt Russell defeats um, one of the guards. Is he, They have a really cool fist fight and then um, slams his head down. He does the one one-liner of the movie, Ugh, I think is yeah. my regards to King Tut, asshole. I yep. think that's what it is. Yes, um, Then the elevator cuts his head off and sends up the bomb as Daniel and uh, and uh, uh, Shori is her name. Sauri, yeah, something Shari. like that. Yeah. Most importantly, Ra's breathing accelerates a lot because so the bomb intense. comes back up and there's like seven seconds, and he realizes, <gasps> oh shit, mm-hmm. he's been beat. I've been beaten, and I've got five seconds to like understand that and can't do shit about it yeah yep 
after a millennium. Yeah, his big explosion life. in space. This is how I end. The yes. Ewoks have a big party afterwards. No, sorry, wrong <laughs> movie. But um, the, then, you know, the movie ends very abruptly. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we're done. Yeah, and we're done. It's like Daniel decides to stay back, which I guess is an option. And the soldiers go back. Kurt Russell has a new you know, love for life, a new purpose. Colonel, we don't know what that is. mildly sad. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Colonel, <laughs> Colonel. He's been upgraded. Glimmer of hope. Yeah. <laughs> Colonel, somewhat melancholy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but willing to try. Yeah. And then he goes back through the gate, and then the gate goes to the credits. So maybe he didn't make it back to Earth. Maybe he just smashed into somebody's name somewhere in the <laughs> near Alpha Centauri or something. Yep. Um, and that's that's Stargate. Yeah. I believe at one point, Michael, you um, called this the Magnus Rushes In of all movies, which yeah, yeah. which is just like, again, this um, thing that TJ also kind of noted was that there's that unearned confidence of just like, let's do this thing. We don't have a plan. We we don't know how any of this works. I don't yeah. know how this dumbwaiter works. I don't know how this <laughs> nuclear bomb works now that they fucked with it. We don't know like anything. Let's do it. There's- an incredible moment, Megan, where um, Kurt Russell says, there's seven minutes left and we can't turn off this bomb. Showery gets shot and um, Daniel decides he's going to go into the spaceship to resurrect her. There's seven minutes. There's and he's seven like, minutes. Oh, I'll, I'll figure out how to bring her back to life. It's I don't know fine. how long it takes. <laughs> I'll, I'll find the like um, healing sarcophagus they put me in earlier and I'm sure it only takes like five and a half minutes to do that. Yeah, There's a little and- satisfying ding at the end. No one worry. I've accurately calculated the blast radius of this nuclear bomb with a shipment of the mineral that makes it a hundred times stronger. No yes. worries, guys. Got yeah. this. <laughs> we definitely don't have nuclear fallout on the entire planet. Yeah. I mean, even if they had managed to rush through the Stargate with their remaining men and Kurt Russell was able to detonate a hundred times more powerful atomic bomb... They just killed all of the rebelling slaves, oh. like in the area. Yeah, there's there are so many elements of this that just convince me that if some strangers show up from somewhere, I should just kill them because mm-hmm. nothing good is gonna come of this. It was so improbable that the result was they're not slaves anymore, and who knows if that's actually a better outcome because they're still on this deserted planet, mm-hmm. living in prehistoric conditions. But some dudes mm-hmm. showed up, pretended to be gods, took one of their daughters. Granted, they gave it to them, but uh, under false mm-hmm. assumptions that they were, in fact, gods. Then it turns out they're not gods. So then that god sends a bunch of ships to then punish them for thinking that those guys were gods. And then there's a giant uprising where they're all used as meat shields mm-hmm. so that the soldiers can get away. <laughs> yeah, it's not not great. <laughs> the outcome is not necessarily net positive. Yeah. But on the plus, there was a big explosion. Oh, yeah, no, that is that the, the big like, oh, yeah, let's fucking send the atomic bomb up to the ship where Ra tries to peace out because he's not down with another slave uprising. Cool. And yeah, so there's like, you know, it's, it's the last second it teleports up. And then Adrian is so right. The deep breathing is amazing. Like it is, it is it both like a clear visceral fear reaction, but also just abject rage. How yeah. dare these fucking mud monkeys try and kill me, a millennia-old god. Yeah. It's just, oh, it's so good. He's a good actor. Yeah. He's a good actor. He does it all with his face and his breathing. It's good. And then boom, giant spaceship explosion. Hopefully yep. high enough in the atmosphere not to blanket them all with radiation and slowly kill them over the course of generations. But they also brought this atomic um, nuclear bomb and presupposed that traveling through a stargate over light years <laughs> was not going to render it um, like not usable. Same thing with like their radios and their like other equipment that they brought. Like, I hope this all works. Hope our guns still work. Dude, we sent a probe through that immediately stopped working. We know there's oxygen and something on the other side. We're good. Yeah, no spacesuits, no oxygen tanks. Yeah. They just toss a mouse through or something. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a mouse on a string that they can just tape tape a camera to a mouse and toss it through. If it doesn't explode, that gives you more information. Yeah, true. <laughs> I like this low budget approach to intergalactic travel. 
Well, they it's, just bring in some angler with a fishing rod and he swings it into there and he's like, well, let's see what I catch. <laughs> it was. It would be more than what they did. It mm-hmm. would be. Yep. Yep. I oh, love man. this movie. It's, such, it's, it's fantastic. so good. It's so good. Just rush so in. So good. Things will work out. Everything's great. And <laughs> it led to an entire freaking franchise that spanned uh, a decade mm-hmm. longer. Yes. Here, I'll defer to my colleague. Yes. A franchise that adopted not only the outcomes of this movie and proceeded from there, but also adopted the theme song. And at some point in our early New York life, the theme song was watching Stargate SG-1 was like what I did when I got home for exercise. Like I got on the elliptical, I watched Stargate SG-1. It got to the point that like the theme song itself caused me just to, to break out in a flop sweat <laughs> and and i associated it with you know all of the, like the like watching the movie last night all of the times that i had you know achieved cardiovascular excellence came rushing back to me i felt like all of the endorphins released in my body just from this tune playing and i i felt like i don't know i was waving my arms i was i was joyous I was definitely brainwashed by the soundtrack listening to it over and over again. After we finished the movie last night, Adrian just charged out the front door and I had to track her down in a car. (laughs) She was several miles away and just like uh, curled up like a gargoyle on a a fence somewhere. I was like, Adrian, come down. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. She had to run, man. It's amazing. (laughs) Made me feel alive. So great. without spoiling the series, maybe talk a little bit about where does it where does it go from from the end of this movie? Like it it's, it goes like eight nine seasons, right? Why are you asking? I'm just this? I'm just asking you. Like, what do you remember? You you know that I don't remember things that uh, I've watched, no. right? I watched this like in New York. Just broad strokes, like they fought more aliens. They and stuff. they go all over the galaxy, and <laughs> he looks for his wife for a while, and Jackson isn't actually there, but they're still looking for her for some reason. It's very mm-hmm. weird. The first season, the first season is very weird. They have trouble finding their footing, and then they just kind of divorce themselves from Daniel Jackson because you cannot recast James Spader. Mm-hmm. How could you? you? Cannot. Yeah. No. But you can. Cannot shall shall not be done. Put um, uh, what's his name? MacGyver. What's his name? Was uh, Dean Anderson. What's his name? You remember how Richard he Dean Anderson. Richard there it is. Dean Anderson. Richard, Richard Dean, Dean Anderson. Richard fucking Dean Anderson. You can put MacGyver in as Kurt Russell and, and carry the show. Yeah, that's that makes good. sense. That tracks. Old Dick Dean. I remember nothing other than the music. You were so into the show. What are you talking about? You are a guest expert. You're I... embarrassing me in front of the podcasters. No, Speaking of embarrassing Michael oh, stories. Okay. No, yes. 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 Everyone. Oh, sorry. Hi. Our microphone's cutting out. Um, guys, can you hear me? No, they can't hear us anymore. I'm sorry. I'm done. Um, so I have a question for you folks. What would you rate mm-hmm. this movie on the rock scale? R is regrettable. O is outstanding, C is craze balls, and K is K. I'm leaning towards craze balls because mm-hmm. watching it again, you catch all of these things that the 14-year-old version of you didn't notice, right? You were too wrapped up in the androgyny to notice the plot <laughs> holes. So uh, it, it, it is kind of craze balls in a very fun way. It's like suspend your disbelief, go for this wild ride in the desert of space. And meet James Spader. It's a good day. <laughs> I hear your craze balls. I actually lean a little bit toward outstanding. It's definitely craze balls. Uh, but I lean towards outstanding just because of how ambitious the movie was, despite borrowing from different sources and being derivative or whatever you want to say. I thought that they really did lay a foundation that they built eight, nine seasons of a TV show on and really had a lot to expand on. A very memorable TV show. Very memorable for <laughs> life-changing <none of> <laughs> potency. I'm just saying they they had a lot of room to explore because they set some things into motion here. That I thought I think that's really cool. And you can't, you know, they didn't do that for a lot of other well-received movies. So I, I feel this is an outstanding movie. 
I have the childhood associations, you know, obviously. I have, yeah, the, the, the squishy young amber brain of, of outstandingly loving it. And then, yeah, the craze balls looking back on it and seeing kind of the holes, the inconsistencies, the silliness, which makes me love it more because I can now appreciate those. I can, I can do an entire 10-page WhatsApp conversation about all the silly things that are happening <laughs> while still getting... That Pavlovian like excitement over like I also feel really excited about the theme song. I didn't exercise to it, so I don't get the endorphins and the flop sweat. But you know, I can relate on the happiness level. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so it's it's I, I would say it's outstanding craze balls for me. I love how nonlinear the scale is. Like I actually don't know if craze balls is good or bad. I've heard you guys rate movies craze balls. Most and still, of the movies I'm like, they rate are craze balls. Yeah, because yeah, the rock scale's meaningless. It's the best scale there is. What Adrian said and what I'm thinking actually reminds me of something TJ told me about the press that James Spader was doing for the movie. Like he was going and doing interviews to promote the movie. And he said, during these promotions, I read the script and it was just terrible. Um, and that intrigued me. <laughs> and then they told me you know they'd be filming on location in the desert and i was like yeah i'm interested in that and so i did the movie and then, like yep. it's just fantastic like it, awesome. the flaws of the movie were part of the selling point for him and i feel like that's where i'm at right now like it's mm. the aesthetic is great i think it is a solid sci-fi film the story is good it's not perfect but it's it's good and it's compelling and i would recommend it to people and it's also like silly and ridiculous. So yeah, outstanding craze balls. Yeah, I think I'm on the, you know, as a first time watcher, I'm on that same, uh, yeah, same outstanding craze balls kind of, um, yeah. Yeah, it's, there's ridiculousnesses to it that are, um, but like in an amazing way, you know, in a really fun, um, enjoyable way. Um, and yeah, like you said, the the look of this movie is quite good. You know, th there's yeah. silliness mm -hmm. with like the pew pew lasers and like the uh, <laughs> the yak monster who like <laughs> licks James Spader. <laughs> it's just very upsetting. But but like the 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 feel of it, like there's definitely a very um, intense feel to the movie, and that's yeah, that's fantastic. Excellent, Michael Adrian. Do you have a Sneha story? I, I just have a Sneha-ism, a thing that she's been doing lately. Um, at least one time during the day, uh, I'll go down to give her a hug, and she says, no, Daddy, wait a minute. And then she she runs off to the furthest point of the house that she can get to. And she says, I want to give you the world's biggest hug. And then she takes off at a dead sprint from a very, very far spot and then like leaps into my arms. It's really, It's really, really great. I love those hugs. Those are the it's best. I've, I've finally learned to like intercept her on the way in so she doesn't just <laughs> slam into my boobs. Yeah. And that's yep. made them like really enjoyable. And a lot of times <laughs> she likes to follow them up like, I like Sneha, she'll tell, I say, I need a big squeezy. Like, honestly, I really do need a big squeezy sometimes. Like, <laughs> I'm having a bad day at work. I'm all stressed out. I'm like not present in our home and our family. And I tell Sneha I need a big squeezy. And she squeezes me with her little bony arms and all her little five-year-old might. Mm -hmm. And she goes, oh, oh. <laughs> and I always, I always like spin around and go, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I lay on the floor and I pass out my hand on my head and I go, she got me. <laughs> she <got me. laughs> yeah. oh, and she's just ear to ear smile the whole time it's so funny yeah this week this week i gave her a big squeezy and she did she did the whole act she did the drama she staggered <laughs> back and forth and then sprawled oh on the gosh. floor you got me that's amazing that's yeah. adorable that's freaking I awesome don't... She was terrified the time when I ran to the one side of the house to give her the world's biggest hug. She like she ran away or she curled to a ball because <laughs> I was charging her full speed. It's because she knows. She knows she's coming at you. She's yeah. a sneha bullet. Yeah. Like the way that she's running and even like the fists pumping. <laughs> she is not holding back. She does not want the dad bullet to arrive. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> That You're about also, to take the express train to Snuggletown. Can you handle this? <laughs> it's aggressive snuggling. There's yeah. no question. It's, it's the best. Absolutely adorable. Goddamn heartwarming. Thank you for sharing. Megan, what the fuck you got? Well, um, 
I was uh, uh, video chatting with Abby and Dan earlier, and um, they were playing um, their their modified D and D game that they play, which is like essentially like it'll be like a race to um, like uh, Captain America's shield or Thor's hammer, and then they've got like all the little Legos that they have to um, you know you know, they roll dice and then the Legos get to move towards, um, the, the thing that the MacGuber that they need to get. And Dan's come out with like all these really interesting, um, like ideas like, okay, so if, um, to, to tag out Hulk, um, two people have to tag him at the same time. And for Dr. Strange, Dr. Strange disappears every other turn. So you can't tag him every other turn because he like transports in and out teleports um and uh oh shoot it's black widow and i can't remember her sister's name right now um you have to tag them both on the same turn to get them out anyway i feel like dan should market this as a game um but it's called uh topa race and i was asking abby well why is it called why is it called a topa race and she looked me dead in my eyes and she said because it's a race and dan's like yeah it's not called a topa walk bang come on i was like "Eh, fair (laughs) does seem like this one's on you i mean it is very much on me (laughs) okay that story while cute and heartwarming i feel like takes second place in this particular podcast not that anyone's asking me to rank them but if I had to, and I don't, I'm, again, I'm stressing that I'm choosing to do this. Oh Michael and Adrian win. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure yeah. this is about winning. No, I made it clear. It's not about uh-huh, winning. Uh-huh. I made it about winning yep, by yep. choice. No provocation. I chose to do this. Mm-hmm, uh-huh. mm-hmm. I miss Abby, too. Great. She's so cute. Um, let's see. Adrian, Michael, do you have any recommendations? You totally don't have to. Yeah, you also don't have to. Anything you'd recommend that you watch or do? Sleeping. I recommend <laughs> getting plenty of sleep. Yeah, before. that's amazing. Well, well you still can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ominous. I do like a good ominous recommendation. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to sleep now. Thanks for that. So. Have to hide the kitchen knives again. Cool, cool, cool. No problem. I really, I really enjoyed watching The Americans, which is a little bit oh, of an yeah. older show. Talk about The Americans, but it's it's really fun. Uh, the idea is that it takes place in the Cold War, so it's early '80s. There's two Soviet spies who are part of Directorate S, which means they're living in the United States disguised as U.S. citizens, but they're actually agents of Russia. And there's like a dichotomy between the husband and the wife because the husband is actually like, this is a nice life. This is good. And whilst he loves his country, he's also like, we could totally stop doing this and just disappear and just be Americans. Um, but his wife is like a hardcore loyalist. So it's it's interesting interplay with their relationship. And then on top of that, they have all of these spy challenges and spy problems they have to solve that often involve manipulating people that they come to care about along the way. So I think it really has a great amount of depth in the characters. But it's a little bit older, but if you haven't seen it, it's it's quite good. Nice. Is that with Carrie Russell? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I know what I'll recommend. What? Marrying your best friend. Hmm. Uh, well, I'm looking at thankfully... her with sparkly eyes. Thankfully, I can edit that shit out. Um, yep. Not keeping that. If you are not going to give a legitimate recommendation, do not abuse the format, Michael. Yeah, Michael, we can't all marry Adrian. Like, I mean, you can't. Just, no, you just definitely mean. can't. It's just try. mean. Don't even try. Yeah. Okay. Unless you have an androgynous bod. <laughs> Go. Oh, fuck. I might, I might be ready for a change. I wear the high heels. It's not enough. <laughs> there's putting them on and then there's wearing them mm, michael which one are you <laughs> yeah that's Damn a it, very right good again. point 
Megan, um, this was fun. Uh, Adrian, Michael, I'm going to say goodbye now, and then we can all just stop recording, and it'll be great. We'll just be done because uh-huh, we're finished uh-huh. saying the things we're going to say. Well, we don't well, have to say anything else. It, you know, Amber, except for this one thing that I always say at the end of the you. podcast, which I is you so much. Success isn't always about greatness. It's about consistency. What? The fuck? Okay, so if I just like consistently murder a bunch of people, I'm on my way to greatness. If I consistently masturbate in public, I'm a great person now. (laughs) Greatness is all around you. You just have to keep doing the same fucking thing. Isn't always, Amber. It's not. Oh, I'm sorry. It's conditional. Mm -hmm. There's conditions on this. I hate this. It's always the fine print. You You said consistency, and I started thinking about making mashed potatoes. See? It's just that day. Oh, delicious. Mm -hmm. Bye, everybody. Thank you, Adrian. Thank you, Michael. Bye, Amber.